Welcome to AOL. Welcome to AOL Underground. Would you please state your handle in the years you were active on AOL? Uh, I am Highwind. I was active around June 95 through the end of 99. Awesome. And when did you first use a computer? Oh, that's an interesting story. Like uh, one of my earliest memories is I was probably like three or four still in diapers. My dad had just come back from the war uh, and he was over in Vietnam in Germany for years, even though he never saw action. Came back, he didn't know what to do. He's going to start his own business. And my mom at the time, who was watching us full time, me and my sister said, you know, I got to go help out your dad, get his business started. And you're going to be with my brother, Jay, who I was like three or four. He was 10 years older than me. So he was 13. You know, he's going to be my babysitter. And I didn't know it at the time, but there was a car dealership across the street and they had an arcade in there. And, you know, he was in the video games, you know, obviously being a teenager in the 80s, he was all about that. So he, one of my earliest memories is literally him lifting me up on a chair, putting me in front of Qbert, you know, big yellow machine. I don't know what it was. He plops in the quarter. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? You know, he kind of reaches over and says, you know, here's Qbert. Here's the joystick. Here's how he moves. Go this way, this way, this way, this way. And if you're familiar with Qbert, he kind of goes like diagonally. So it's kind of hard to get the hang of, you know, and Basically, my first time playing Qbert, he kind of showed me how to do it, and I beat the first stage. And he was like, whoa, I can't believe it. Like, this little kid beat the first stage in Qbert. Like, you know, somehow I impressed him enough, like, that he wanted to be my full-time babysitter. Like, Oh, that's great. It was weird. Yeah, like, he was a teenager. Obviously, he was in the girls or whatever, you know, what he wanted to do. But he was like, yeah, my mom's like, we'll pay you good money, be the babysitter. Uh, so his one stipulation was that he wanted to do it at his house, which was my mom's mom, my grandma's house. You know, he had a bedroom and literally going in there was like an old hacker scene from the 80s with like rows of computers and posters on the wall and food and drinks and like it's filth, laundry on the floor, you know. And he literally like put me in front of the computer and I think it was like an Apple IIe. You know, he's like, this is the mouse. This is the keyboard. You type here, look on the screen. This happens. You know, he kind of showed me the basics of it. Uh, and then he's like, we got this book here that came with it and it shows you how to program you know, literally, if you type in what's in this book on the screen and hit run, you know, it'll do some sort of thing. So like early on, it was me and him sitting there, you know, he's babysitting me and he's like, well, I want to do what I want to do with computers. I got to watch this kid. So let me put him in front of the computer and teach him how to do this stuff. So it was really cool. Like just me typing away, not knowing what, you know, what I was typing. It's just a bunch of gibberish to me. You know, I knew how to read at the time. I knew letters, but you know, obviously I didn't know what was going on. You know, we hit run for the first time and it started drawing lines across the screen, like in patterns and all these fractals and spirographs. And I'm like, holy crap. Like it took us like four, six hours, you know, a whole day just typing this stuff in one line of code at a time. By the end of the day, we had like, you know, some result of it. And I was like, whoa. And like, he's like, you know, this is awesome. Let's keep going at it. We kind of looked at like, what happens if we change this line of code? What's going to happen? You know? Sometimes the shapes would change or sometimes the program wouldn't run. You know, we kind of just together we learned because at the time he didn't know basic either. So we kind of learned together just like, you know, me, the three, four, five-year-old, you know, and him, a teenager, you know, sitting in his room, he's getting paid to babysit me and we're both learning programming. That was cool. 
That's super cool. Yeah. That, that's so exciting. Especially to have somebody to kind of be your teacher, even though he was learning at the same time, but he was just like, you know, this is the mouse and this is the manual. And that's, yeah, that's really cool. Some people didn't have that. And uh, they just kind of had their, their parents who didn't know anything about computers. And so yeah. getting to get into programming is really as, as you just, that's really awesome. Yeah. My, my parents literally never bought me a computer as much as I begged, you know, even though I was a teen, they're like, no, you know, go outside, play with your friends. You have a million friends. You don't need to be in front of this computer. Like, you know, but somehow you got drawn to the computer. It seems like, yeah, I think like early on, just knowing basic, like in high school, like I was never somebody who liked school. I kind of felt like it was a waste of time, you know, cause like it came easy to me You know, I'd ace all the tests. I listened to the teacher. I just kind of understand it. You know, teachers kind of hated me because I do the math in my head and I wouldn't show my work because I'm like, well, I can see the numbers and stuff in my head and I have a way of doing it, which works for me. And if I have to go through and write that down on paper, I get really stressed out. Like, I don't know how I went from A to B. It just happens in my head. You know, and programming is a lot like that, too. I just I have the, con the concept, start typing, go on, go on with it. You know, it's going to error a million times, but I kind of have the end goal in mind and just work towards it. Uh, so in high school... I don't know if you remember the Texas Instruments, uh, like graphing calculators. Yeah, I had the 82. Yeah, they gave us the 82, which sort of had like a basic, you could write like mini, mini programs or apps and basic on it to do like graphing stuff. But then when the TI-85 came out, I actually got one from a friend who wasn't using it. You know, he had just graduated and he gave it to me. So I was like, whoa, this does basics too, like basic programming too. So I literally sit in class, like the way people are with their phones now, just like staring at it all day. Like that was me with basic. I was like, I basically spent like uh, months just programming games and apps on it. I remember one time I built Yahtzee, like literally Yahtzee and basic on a calculator, you know, because it had the five buttons. So it just made sense. Okay, you get five dice. You can click hold or pass with each of the five dice and the five buttons. It's like, oh, I can make Yahtzee on this thing. You know, and I kind of just spent half listening to the teacher preach on about whatever, you know, and then I was like just staring at my calculator. So other kids were looking at me like, what's this kid doing? He's not even paying attention. You know, I'm like, I'm doing the thing I want to do, you know, go do what you want to do. I'm working on like programming. This is interesting to me. I don't care about math or history or whatever the teacher's going on about. Uh, I remember in psychology class, I was really interested and I'd put my calculator down. I like listened to that. Like if a class was really interesting to me, you know, calculator was down. I was paying attention like in ninth and 10th grade. But uh, basically I was a good student to the point where I almost had enough credits to graduate by the time 10th grade ended. Because it was weird. And around here you needed 22 credits. You could get three in eighth grade and then you could get up to nine and nine in ninth and 10th grade. So I think I had like 20 credits by the time I got to 10th grade. I needed like one more credit to graduate. So I would, I took a, a lot of study halls after lunch. So I could literally just leave after lunch because all I had was study halls and they didn't care if you showed up or not. You know, if I was sitting in class, I was working on my uh, calculator. If I was sitting in study hall, I was doing the same thing, but it just so happened we had an arcade like a mile from our school. And that same uncle who had taught me programming literally was the manager of the arcade. Oh, wow. And if he saw like me and my cousins at the arcade, he'd just come over, pop up with the machine and like click in a bunch of credits. So we literally got free games at an arcade. It was amazing. That's awesome. So when you left school early, did you go to the arcade or what did you do? 
So I would leave around like 11 or 12 before lunch. I'd go stop at a place called Storheim's for a burger for a dollar. And then I'd go spend whatever other lunch money I had on arcade machines. And then I would hope my uncle was there and he'd come over and give us free games. Awesome. So that's kind of the first time I actually heard of the internet was at the arcade. Like there was some hot shot. Uh, I think it was like Tekken 1, you know, or Street Fighter 2 player that would come in. And he'd have this binder with him. Like, why does this guy have a binder with him? Like, he's playing his fighting games. What does he need all this paperwork for? And, like, literally one time he was, like, showing it, and I peeked over his shoulder, and it's, like, it was all the moves. I'm, like, holy crap. How do you know all the moves for Street Fighter and all these other, like, Tekken? Tekken had, like, 100 moves per character, and it's, like, you can just learn that and write it down. He's, like, well, I went on the Internet, and I'm, like, I don't know what the Internet is. You know, it was, like, 94 around that time. Like, I don't know what the Internet is. What is this? You know, it was before like American, America Online and Prodigy and all these others were kind of like advertising. So it was like BBS? Uh, yeah, he went on. It was like it was kind of the start of GameFAQs.com. Like before it was that, it was some other site that you could go to and it was literally everyone sharing their, you know, if they learned a new move, they went on there and shared it and then someone updated this guide. So he would just print off a copy of it, bring it to the arcade and kind of study it for a little bit, learn a new character, play you know, so a lot of the times at the arcade, he would show up. And when he showed up, it was like a big crowd around him. And it was like, he was a superstar. You know, like this guy's a rock star. Did, did he share his binder with other people? Or he... No, he didn't. What a, what a jerk, man. Yeah. Literally, it was years later when Killer Instinct 2 came out and I learned a certain technique, you know, and he was there again. And I like, I taught it to him and he was like, whoa. So he gave me his like print off of Killer Instinct 2. Like, here's all the moves. You can look at it now because you helped me out. And I was like, whoa. Suddenly I'm cool with this guy who's like the superstar of the arcade. Oh, interesting. Give and take, right? Yeah. So at least he's a reciprocal. That's good. Yeah. So I had a friend that he told me, I have American online and I can get online and chat with people. Ha ha. And I use these illegal programs. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, illegal programs. But do you know about this uh, site you can get like print offs of moves and stuff? Can I come over to your house and print this stuff off? And he's like, no, printering costs lots of money. I'm like, oh. like, come on. So I think around that time I begged my parents, I want a computer. I want to get online. I want to get a printer. I want to print off this stuff for this video game. And they're like, no, you don't need that. Like they literally didn't know that I was going to the arcade and I wasn't really skipping school, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't have actual classes after lunch. So, I mean, I was at home as far as they knew I was sitting in school all day and then I would come home on the bus after school. Oh, that's funny. So then how did you yeah. get onto America online? Yeah. So that same friend, his name was Jeremy. He I think it was around the time like Star Trek Voyager had come out and I knew like I had watched Star Trek Next Generation with him a lot, you know, and I thought, oh, I'll check out Star Trek Voyager. He kind of, he kind of hooked me on Star Trek stuff. So I knew Star Trek Voyager was just coming up and I kind of went up to him in school. Like, you know, I know he has this American online thing and I want to get at these codes. I want to go to the arcade with my own binder, you know? So I'll go over and talk about like Star Trek with him and then kind of like worm my way into going over to his house and then maybe sneak it, print it off or get online and do it, you know. So that's essentially what I did. I remember it was around the time like Chrono Trigger had come out, you know, and I went on and I wanted to download like how to get to all the different endings in the game. Uh, and then I think like Tekken 2 was out at the time. So I printed that off and he was like off taking a shower and he came in the room. And so I was printing all these pages and he's like, get the heck out of here. Like, you know, that I didn't tell you, you could print all this stuff. So I think that was like the last time, like the last time I ever went to his house was because I kind of used him for his computer and his printer and stuff. You're like an addict, man. Yeah. 
I was definitely addicted. Like just saying, like I'm saying, like the way people are with their phones, that's how I was like with video games and like technology. I was all about it. Like I didn't care about all this other stuff, you know. You're the lovable addict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically I, uh, you know, had the moves. I went to the arcade. I had it all printed off, you know, the games that I was interested in. So I spent a lot of time there. And then. Did you have your own binder? No, I would, I would memorize the moves. Like I kind of just look at one character and kind of, I maybe put a, like scribble some notes, put it in my pocket, go to the, I didn't have a lot of money. So it was like, I might have like two, $3 to spend in a day at the arcade, which is like, you know, five, six, seven games. Right on, right on. So I think like around that time, my friend Keith said that his brother was going off to war and or in the military and he left him his computer. And I'm like, holy crap, we need to get on American online. And he was like, what's that? And I kind of explained it to him. He was like, well, that sounds interesting. Let's do it. How do we do it? And I'm like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like, I literally had no idea how to do it. So again, I think I talked to like my friend, Jeremy, you know, who hated me at that point for stealing all his ink and stuff. Like, how do you get online? Like, he's like, you need to find a CD. They sell them in like the store and magazines or whatever. Just go there. And he said, I went there and I stole one out of a magazine and brought it home. And like, okay, I'm not really about stealing, but okay. So me and my friend Keith went, he literally lived like across the street from a grocery store and they had a magazine section and we're scouring through the, you know, opening all these magazines, looking for discs. Like, what is this? Oh, American online. There it is. It's like the Holy grail. We hold it up. We're like so excited. We got the disc. Oh, we go over to his house. We put it in and it's like installing. So we're, you know, uh, it's taking forever. You know, back then the install would take forever. I think we ended up watching like some anime. He had, he was big in the anime. He had like VHS tapes from Japan imported. So we're watching anime, checking on the progress. Finally, it's done. It says, enter your credit card number. We don't have a credit card number. So literally his mom wasn't home. We had to sit around all day, wait for her to come home and basically beg her and try to like manipulate and con her into letting us like take her credit card number and put it in this weird computer. And she's like, why do you need a computer? Or why do you need a credit card for a computer? We already bought the computer. We're not paying for it again. You know, I don't know what he did to actually convince her, but you know, one day he called me up and said, my mom gave me her credit card. I'm on. Like I signed up. I'm on an account. Come over. So we're like, sweet. So then it got to the point where we're like, like any new person, we didn't know what we were doing. We were too afraid to even chat in chat rooms. We're just sitting there just watching people chat, like sitting in the lobbies, basically clicking around, looking at stuff. And then eventually we saw someone scroll, like, you know, they loaded Fate or Havoc or something. I'm like, sweet, let's talk to that guy. He's got one of those programs. Like my friend Jeremy was talking about these illegal programs. It's got to be one of those. Let's let's ask this guy how he got it. And what did he say? He basically explained like, no, this is illegal. I'm not sharing it or something. If you want one, go to this room, like private room. And like private room, what's that? Like, how do you get to a private room? Noob. So I think we just randomly asked and like, how do you, my friend just left her private room, whatever. Like, how do I get there? And they're like, you know, kind of explaining to us, go to the keyword or whatever in the menu and type it in and hit enter. It was like night and day between the lobbies and the private room. It's like, holy crap, all this illegal stuff is going on in here. Like these guys are cool compared to these people in lobbies who are just talking about their dogs or whatever. Do you remember what private room was? Uh, I think it was programs. Maybe it was programs spelled backwards. Uh, this was around 95. So yeah, it was like, I think Fadex 2.5 had just come out and AOL 3.0 wasn't out yet. So it was around that era. So a lot of those rooms still existed. They weren't getting banned yet. When were you online enough to the point where, I mean, when did you decide that 
you wanted to make your own program. Yeah. I assume you needed a machine to do that too. So did you have to procure the machine first? Yeah, so my friend Keith, you know, uh, I could only go over there when he was home, obviously. But I had a girlfriend at the time that worked nights. And she bought a computer, an old compact Brosario. I think it had like 32 megahertz memory, 32 megabytes RAM, a gig hard drive or something. It was the slowest thing. And it was terrible. It clicked all the time. It was awful. But she was working nights. So I could literally just go sit at her house. you know. And her mom had American Online. Like she had her own account. So I was like, can I create a sub account? Oh, sure. Go ahead. You know, they weren't home. So I literally spent nights just, you know, glued to the screen, chatting to whoever, you know, getting in these rooms, just using, uh, I mean, I started just basically using everybody else's programs. I, at that point, I never really thought I was going to make my own. Like, I didn't even know how they were made. And I'm like, this is some weird program language I know nothing about, you know, and at some point I met, uh, the macro artist Spawn, S-P-O-N, I, I think he changed the name to Spawn later. And he was like, we're recruiting people to create a program for us. Like, and I'm like, I'm in. <sighs> I'm like, if, even if it like, helps me figure out how do I make these programs, you know, I don't know how to make a program. I think I presented myself as like, yeah, I know how to make programs. He's like, sweet, nice. now follow me. You know, he instant messaged me, follow me to this room. And I kind of met his friends. And they're like, we've acquired a copy of Visual Basic 3. None of us know how to use it. Do you? And I'm like, sure. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Did you say Visual Basic 3? I'm like, I have literally programmed Basic since I was like three or four years old. Like, I literally knew the programming language of Visual Basic. I didn't know what Visual Basic was, but just that word basic. I'm like, holy crap, I want to do this. Like, yeah, send that over to me. You know, I think I spent like just nights kind of diving in to like documentation it was around the time that a lot of servers were going on. People were kind of decompiling programs. There really wasn't many BOS files out yet, but there were decompiled programs. I'm like, sweet. That's kind of how I learn. You know, I don't have my uncle here to tell me how to do it. I'm going to look at other people's code and just kind of go through it line by line and figure out what it's doing. Like that's something I love to do is take someone else's code and not just like use it. I want to know why does the thing they built work? Like, can I build this myself? Is there room for optimizations and improvements and how to make this better? Like, I want to take everything that other people have done and make it better and then kind of pass that on to the next generation, the next person to make it even better than I can do. Right. So, yeah, basically, I, I think the first thing I ever saw code-wise, Visual Basic, was just like a mass mailer. Like, it would scan the chat, look for someone saying, you know, sign me up for the mass mail and add them to a list box and then it would you know, open up the mail and just literally send each one one by one, like one by one by one. And I'm like, well, this isn't very efficient. I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it faster, you know, figure out ways to improve this code. How'd you make it faster? Uh, just like looking for shortcuts, like the kill wait, you know, literally if you click send, you got to wait for AOL to say, okay, it's done. Now you can, now you can go back to the, it kind of freezes the program, you know, so you got to do a kill wait, but you kind of got to find a happy balance. Like I don't want to kill wait immediately. I want to wait a few seconds just as a confirmation. Okay, that command was accepted. Now let's go into the next email. And then obviously you can like BCC people so you could send one email forward to multiple people at once rather than one at a time. And then I thought of ways to like, well, let's not send the email right away. Let's like batch this stuff, especially for a server. Like if 10 people ask for like the seventh thing in my inbox, let's throw them in a box with the number seven next to it. And then every minute or so, let's open one email, send all those people number seven at once. You know, I kind of thought about things like that. Like, I just, I don't think linear, like in linear terms, like 
A, B, C, D, E, F, I think of like, okay, how do I grab all this data, put it somewhere, and then group it and analyze it and sort it, and then, you know, do something with it. Interesting. So you created like grouped message queues or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like literally people want the program now, but I'm like, I don't want to just send it immediately, especially if for each email, there was a chance that if you kill wait too soon, it wouldn't send. So you might have like 50 unhappy customers because they 50 people asked for this email and it literally didn't send. So I kind of batch things in that way. So less operations, more data storage, and let's process the data and send it out later with fewer operations. Right. So what happened with the program for the macro by Spawn? Actually, I did make that. It was called, they wanted, their group was called Jawa, like from Star Wars, J-A-W-A. And they're like, we need a punter. So here's our interface. They already had the interface design, but they didn't know how to make the buttons work. Like literally I had a form and they had a bunch of buttons on it. And I'm like, we want to click punt and punt someone. Like, how do we do it? So I, they basically sent me the framework for what they wanted to look like. And I just... I didn't know how to do it at the time. Like, what's a punt? Like at that time, I didn't know what a punt was. What do you mean punt? So I think I went like, go ask some people that I talked to, like, what's punting? Can you explain it to me? And they're like, well, it's something that you do, you know, check out these other apps. They do it too. And I'm like, okay. So I think I found like a decompiled program again with a punter in it. And I'm like, okay, I understand what it's doing. It's just sending a bunch of IMs at once with like a bunch of code in it. And, you know, I didn't know what the... What what happens when you send someone a bunch of IMs with a bunch of code in it? Like, okay, literally, I uh, went on my I guess my girlfriend's mom's computer, you know, and signed on in her modem. She had her own modem separate because we had they had two lines. So I sign on an account on hers. I sign on an account on mine, and I like send the message over, and I go to, go over to the other room and check it out. Like, holy crap, she's offline. What happened? <laughs> like, how did how did that kick her offline? Like, okay, punting kicks you people people offline. So. You know, essentially, I built the Jawa forum. I don't think it ever got released, but they were kind of like, okay, what else can you do? I'm like, sweet. So that kind of started my, like, you know, obsession with just building things that did things. Like, you know, I'd literally be on AOL doing things and thinking, oh, I wish it did this. Why isn't there a shortcut for this? Oh, I can just build it myself. Like, literally, like a room bus, you know, obviously, uh, I can't get in the room. It's full. You know, I think Toke's room bus was popular at the time. I'm like, okay. Take a look at what he's doing. Okay, I can do that. You know, that's essentially how I started, just looking at what other people were doing and figuring out, can I do it? And not just can I do it and release the same program, like what can I do better or different? Right. So it's almost like that group, they were kind of like the user experience, the UX team, right? And they give you the graphical interface. You know, if you correlate it to today, like in business terms, right? You have like the, the graphics, the UX team, and then you have the, the like what the front end, you have like the backend developers. That, were you like the backend developer in this case? Yeah, I would be backend. If like the front end is what the user sees, backend is all the code, you know, behind the scenes that no one sees that's supposed to be private and hidden. Okay, so you saw you were a backend developer, they were the front end. That is kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, but it was good. Like I had never designed an interface in Visual Basic. So they've literally handed me like an example of here's what a probe looks like. I'm like, oh, so you can drag buttons around and you can do this. You can resize it. You can put colors on things. I remember it was kind of like an orangish brown with red and blue buttons. It was pretty ugly. <laughs> you know, even by back then standards, it was like horrendous. But I'm like, I don't care about that. I just want to see if I can get it to work. You know, I think from there I created like a, a simple mass mailer server you know, Roombuster, some other little tools. 
Didn't you also create like a cracker as well? Yeah, that was later. Like uh, when I started out, it was mainly I kind of would build something and then add it to like my own function library. Like I'm somebody who loves to reuse my own code. I don't want to spend all night building the same thing. If I can just, you know, grab what's essentially a BOS file, grab that code, drop it in a new app, work on the interface. It looks like a brand new program, but kind of behind the scenes, like you said, the back end is essentially the same thing. I'm just putting a new skin on it. Basically, I have like, I don't know if it's like an OCD, but I kind of get bored with any project I'm working on. So if I don't finish it fast, you know, I'm like, oh, this new idea, let's go on and move on to that. So a lot of what I did was just small one-off programs that did, you know, one function, like a server, mess mailer, a punter, a tosser, whatever, like a toolbox of some kind. Or if I noticed like some little feature in AOL that let, let's automate that, you know, I'd build something like that. I never really built like a full featured program. I mean, aside from like, I guess some of the later programs like a cracker would require a lot more time to develop. And those, those are the kind of things I did, you know, long term. And then in between, I do all these little programs. Okay, cool. Did you decide that you needed to start cracking for some reason or just for fun or what? That's an interesting question. So, <laughs> so the short answer is I got my girlfriend's mom's account canceled <laughs> for doing illegal activities. How'd that go over? Not well. She was not happy. Like, what did you do? I got this message from AOL saying you spread a virus around. And I'm like, a virus? I'm like, oh, crap. So what it was is I thought it'd be a fun experiment to have a program that would email itself to everyone in, some, in your buddy list or in, your, in the chat room you were in or anybody that was in your inbox. So it would kind of like gather all those names together and build a list and just email itself to everyone. And then everyone on the list that opened it, they would email it and it would kind of grow and grow and grow. Kind of like a viral program, I guess. Like the, like the I love you virus or whatever? It wasn't really, it didn't really do anything other than email a copy of itself to every name it could acquire like quickly. Like you would, someone would open it, it would say like, I think it was called like you got spammed by Highwind or something. And I actually sent it from my account because it had Highwind in the username. I'm like, oh, this needs to look legit. So people think it's from me and they're going to open it. I'm like, great. So like literally overnight, I don't know how far it spread, but I was like, so many people reported, this guy sent me this virus. It blasted a bunch of emails out to people that I don't know. So I could, you know, my girlfriend's mom was not happy. She's like, you sent out a virus. I have, they have the proof right here. It was like highwind.zip. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I sent out this program that does this thing. It, it wasn't harmful. You know, I just thought it would be funny. And she's like, well, it wasn't funny. Like, so then... That was kind of the reason why I created a cracker. I'm like, well, people get on, you know, free accounts just by cracking someone's account. And if it's a master, they can create a sub. Great. Then they have this fish that's going to last forever. Like, as long as that person doesn't sign in, they can be online for free. You know, I'm a kid. I'm thinking I'm, that's kind of a victimless crime to me. Like, if they're not online, they're not using it. I'll go online. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to use their account. I'm going to create a sub account and use that. And I'm got, not going to do anything illegal on it. You know, illegal. But yeah, so I'm like, okay, I need to create my own cracker and kind of find ways that I can crack people's accounts. Like what's obvious to me, like someone's going to put in their profile the name of their dog. Like I have a dog, his name is Rusty. Okay, your password is probably Rusty. Like boom, their password is Rusty. I'm like, holy crap, it's that easy. I think the first time I built something that like scanned the members directory, scanned all their profiles, or just sat in a chat room and listened to what people were talking about, and like created keyword lists from that, 
I like overnight, I would run that. And I, in the morning, I'd have like a bunch of accounts. Like, holy crap, I have 20 new accounts. Like these people, they just don't know. Like they don't know to make their password secure. That's really interesting. Because if you think about like OSINT and stuff, if you're trying to like, let's say, get into a WordPress account, you can run a program. I think it's called Cool, like C-E-W-L. But basically it scrapes all the words on that website and, and it puts them into a dictionary, right? And then it'll try those uh, as the password. You're kind of doing the same thing, but on like a yeah. per user, right? The profile and then what they say in the chat room, yep. you create a little profile on them, like a dictionary. Yeah, I thought, well, I can have a password list, like 50 common passwords, but like if the word Rusty is not in that list and this person obviously loves their dog, they're going to be talking about Rusty all day long. Like that's going to be the password. Like it's obvious. Like this person's not thinking, oh, some hacker is going to get my account. They're like, oh, what can I put down that's easy to remember that I'm not going to forget because I'm stupid. Oh, oh, I'll write it here. Rusty. Okay. What's my password again? You know, they're kind of like, they just don't know that this stuff existed, like hacking and cracking and phishing and all this stuff. So it's like, they make it e- almost too easy to hack their account. And, and again, I didn't want to, I don't want to let them know that I got into their account. So you, obviously you never change the password. Don't change their profile. Don't mess with their buddy list, their emails. Just, you got to look for those master accounts, create a sub and then good. You're good. Good to go. So essentially from that point on, I never paid for AOL again. You know, I had enough fish just from running my own cracker for, you know, a year or so. Like I had one that was like, I think the username was K-A-N-D-T-E and the password was K-A-N-D-T-E. And I don't think this person ever went online because I used that thing for like three years. Wow. And I never got kicked off. And I'm like, this person probably doesn't even know they're paying for AOL. It goes on their credit card and whatever. I'm like, so that was good for me. Like I had a fish that lasted forever. So, you know, what's the savings in that $20 a month for three years? You know, I never had to create an account myself from that point on. Can you tell me about the idea for creating highwind.bass and then releasing it? Yeah. So basically when I first started, I kind of held all my code for myself. And like I said, I love to reuse my own code and I had like remnants of other people's code from when I was first starting or maybe from decompiled programs. I'm like, okay, this works. You know, I need to fix this one line. Okay, now it actually works better. Let's leave that in there. Even though it's basically 90% someone else's code, it works. I'll keep it myself. I'm not going to distribute it. You know, I'm just using that for my own programs to get them done faster because you know, I want to spend less time, like I said, on the back end, more times on the UI, the functionality, adding features, and then releasing it because I was kind of, you know, I worked at a fast-paced schedule where I want to just get stuff done fast. Cool, this works. Let's spread it out there. Let my friends use it. So there was one point where I was hanging out in the chat room and some people were talking about like punting and how inefficient it is. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could all punt someone at exactly the same time? Like, how do we make that happen? And here's me like lurking like, ooh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to stay up as long as it takes and do that. Like, I'm going to figure it out. So at that point, I already had like com- like a chat command so you could read the chat and look for commands. I had another thing where I could decrypt and decrypt like text, raw text. I thought, let's combine those. What if I encrypt some text, send it to the chat, and then anyone who's running the same program will see that, decrypt it, and it basically says like, let's punt Highwind. Okay, anyone that's pr- running that program, and like anyone that's not running the program, it just looks like gibberish in the chat. It's a bunch of random characters, doesn't mean anything. Maybe it looks like a scroll. But anyone that's running it, it's like, okay, let's punt Highwind. So the host would basically send out the chat command, 
and then do an IM check. And if that person's IMs were on, then everyone that was like in the group, like the network, maybe it was three, four, five or more people would get the command and instantly just start punting. So I'm like, wow, this actually works. Again, I used my, my girlfriend's mom's computer as like the second host so I could see, okay, when I send the command here, I created like a private chat room just for myself. Send the command, both computers. Okay, all right. Now they sent this IM. Like, okay, I got it. I got the networking figure out. Like, that, that's sweet. Like, one type of punt is not going to be enough. So let's put that in the string too. Like, I'm going to create like three, four, five different types of punts. You know, and then by that time I had created punters, so I had all that code. You know, I had various punt strings. Some were not effective anymore. Some were like, okay, I'll throw in like five different types of punt. Let's do it. I put a very minimal interface on it, and then I create the exe file. Morning comes. Those same guys that were talking about it the night before. I'm like, check this out, guys. Net punt 1.0. <laughs> like, whoa! Like, how did you do that so fast? And I'm like, I just used the code that I had from other programs, and like, what? So I'm like, well, I use my Boz file. And they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, can you share that with us? And I'm like, well, it was kind of around the time where like sharing code was considered like something you didn't do, like especially decompiling someone else's program. Like that's bad. Like you're a noob. You can't be decompiling someone else's program and looking at their code. Figure it out for yourself. I'm like, I don't want other people to have to figure it out for themselves because I figured this stuff out. Like these guys are sitting in the chat room all day trying to figure out this stuff that I already solved the night before. Like, all right, guys, here you go. Here's the code. You know, do with it what you want. Don't spread it around because, you know, the BOS file at the time was not very clean. It had a lot of other people's like fragments of other people's code in there. You know, it needed some cleanup. Uh, some of the functions in there literally were broken, you know, between AOL 2.5 and 3.0 and like 4.0 was coming out soon. So from that point on, I'm like, I basically shared it with just that little group of friends. I think it was like private room test. Yeah, or clerks. I used to hang out in clerks and test. So I had a little group of friends that were all programmers and they were all like at the same level as me, but I don't think they really sat online as much as I did. So they didn't have enough time to figure out this stuff where like I'm literally online 24 seven almost at that point because I was unemployed. This was just after high school, 96 ish. So I was basically unemployed for three years, just online doing this stuff. Is this at your girlfriend's house? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. She had a job and I was like living there for free. Like I, my parents lived across town. They were always working. They were never home. So I'm like, I don't want to sit at my, there's no computer there. I'm like, I'm not going to sit at my parents' house doing nothing. Like my friends all had jobs. You know, I, I kind of felt like a deadbeat, but in a way I'm like, I'm sitting here like learning and doing what I want to do. Like this is the stuff I want to do. I'm obsessed with this. It's got to be beneficial somehow in the future. You know, obviously I didn't think that far ahead. I'm just like, I love doing this stuff and I'm online. I'm helping out these guys. It was like a sense of community. You know, we're in the private chat room. They're all doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. We're sharing code. We're sharing ideas. Someone will say something. It'll kind of spark like this creativity in someone else. And they'll literally like build that thing and they'll share the code. It was a pretty tight knit group. We all shared everything. So like the boss file is very rough to start. And I think I created a few programs and I had, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to clean this thing up so people can actually like use it, you know, and I don't have a bunch of code in there that's crappy, that's not working or broken or doesn't work on AOL 2.5, 3.0 and 4.0. So I kind of went through and just tested everything on all the different AOL versions, made it good enough to go. I mean, 
I've looked at it recently and the code is very ugly. It's not elegant, but it does its job. For the time, I'm like, does it do its job? Is it foolproof? Is it not going to crash your application? If I say, you know, this function is going to do this on these three AOL versions, does it? Yes. Okay, good to go. So I kind of, you know, shared that with friends. And then obviously they'd share code snippets back and I'd throw them in there. And the thing that I was very bad at is giving credit and over credit is due to all those guys back then. I mean, I knew all their handles and we hung out, but I just didn't give them much credit. I don't want to put my name to something and not give them a credit. Like it was a group effort. Like Highwind.boz wasn't just me. It was like this whole group of guys, you know, we worked together, fine tuned it, perfected it. And then I think at one point, one of them said, you know, you need to release this. Like you're going to get really popular if you release this. And I'm like, I don't, okay. I'm like, it's not well documented. It's just a bunch of code, like random code. Some of the functions names are like, I am punt, I am's off, I am's on. You know, they kind of made sense. Uh, there was a lot of like my encryption stuff and there was like these old functions that just like worked and they were like sub functions of those functions, but they didn't have good names. So, you know, it really didn't make a lot of sense. I'm like, well, you can release it, but I don't really know if anybody's going to use this thing because it's just, they're going to have to read through it and they're going to have to know what it does because it's not self-explanatory. Right. What happened after it got released? Yeah, it was like, it was almost instant. Like I was started seeing it on every server and like, I'm like, holy crap, you know, every mass mailer and server has highwind.boz or highwind.zip. Like there it is. These guys were right. Like it's spreading, it's getting out there. You know, and it's kind of around the time that I joined, uh, I think it's private room Mirage. And these guys, like as soon as I joined, they all knew me. They're like, highwind.boz, you're here. I'm like, holy crap. Like it was kind of my first sense of like, people know who I am. Like I had stuck to my little group of friends and in my mind, they were cooler than I was and more legendary. And they were the awesome people. And like, I'm just this guy that's kind of helping them out. You know, I love doing what I do. I have the time to do it. They all have jobs, you know, in a way I kind of felt like the loser without a job that's just on his computer all day, but I was doing what I would love to do. Nice. So you said they were like legendary. Why were they legendary? Like, do you remember their handles or anything or were they made? Oh yeah. There's, uh, let's see, there's Penn and Kai. People like Method, Few, Huck, Finn, if you've heard of Krylon Cans by Finn. Uh, Method has a bunch of anti-punters. There were people like uh, Storm Chaos who were Loose Crusade. You know, there's this huge list. Like I'm going to probably put together a website and just like give thanks where thanks is due like and list all those guys' names. Like I don't know their real names. Obviously, we kind of stayed anonymous back then. But, you know, like people like Penn, Soup, Kai, Huck, Finn, Bong, there's all these like names that are stuck in my head, like a hundred names. And like, these were guys that I hung out with for three, four years. And like, I owe them a lot. Like I should give thanks. Yeah, definitely, man. If you want to, you can always give me that list. I can put it like on a show notes page too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put it together. Cause even like now with a lot of probes surfacing again, it's like, I see these names and it's like, almost it just like brings back all this nostalgia. Like, Oh, I used to hang out with that guy. And I totally remember sharing code and seeing his programs. And I want to get his programs again, because in my mind, like I love looking at other people's programs, like just seeing what they were working on. Yeah. It's really interesting to see like what, what everyone made. And they all kind of did the same thing, but I don't know, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. <laughs> they, all, they all felt different, right? Yeah, I mean, like over time, there was kind of trends like between UI, like somebody does, like I did a lot of gradient headers and flat buttons and then suddenly everybody's doing that. And I'm like, 
you know, in a way I felt like honored, like sweet. They're like, they're inspired by me. Like that's something that like I love to do. Like that almost is cooler to me than someone saying, oh, hi, wind, your probes are great. Your boss is great. I used to look at it all the time. I want to hear someone say like, you inspired me to do this, whether I met you like once in a chat room or hung out with you all the time. Like something you did back then inspired me to, you know, do something that has affected my whole life. Like that's kind of, to me, the highest honor is somebody to say that. Did that happen? Yeah. I mean, just recently, like meeting people and just seeing like how many people are still in tech. It's like, I'd like to think like they remember me from back then. I remember them. And it's like, holy crap, we kind of influenced each other and created this passion when we're teenagers and we don't know what we want to do with our life. Like the internet was new. And at the time, I'm not thinking there's going to be this whole world of online and all these jobs and like millions of jobs created where you're sitting in front of a computer, you know, talking to people. And you're actually working at the same time, getting paid. It's like, holy crap, you need to paid to do what we did on AOL, just messing around. Yeah, that was incredible when I had that realization. Uh, <laughs> I, I was one of my first jobs. It was like, I was using Windrunner. And they're like, oh yeah, we need you to automate this website. And they gave me Windrunner. And I'm like, wait a second. This is all just VB. I'm like, I'm like and I'm automating <laughs> a website. Like, this feels a lot like AOL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my first job like in 99 is uh, at the time I was creating some websites with friends just to host like our progs and stuff and do whatever, put up a guest book and shout outs and MIDI files and animated GIFs and all that stuff we used to do back then, you know, on Angel Fire or whatever. And I had learned Perl like because it looked a lot like, you know, code I understood. It was just Perl. It was kind of like a an add-on to C. Like C to me like looked like too foreign but Perl made sense. So I'm like, I knew Perl, I knew some HTML and there was a job posting literally said, you know, we're looking for a Perl HTML developer to come clean up this code for Y2K. And I'm like, Y2K, what's that? They're like, we have all these dates that are in two digits. If you've seen the movie Office Space, like literally that was my first job. We have all this code, there's two digits in Perl. We need to it fixed so it works once we hit 2000. You know, they were all paranoid. Like all the websites we've done are gonna break. Like our form mailer is in Perl. Is it going to work? Like literally my first job after AOL, you know, in high school was basically just going into Perl and fixing code on websites. Nice. Did you stay on AOL at the same time? Yeah, it was kind of around the time that people were migrating more to AIM. Uh, like AOL 4 had come out and I never really built anything for AOL 4. So I kind of felt like it was time for me to like move on in a way. I kind of stayed on AOL every now and then checking in chat rooms and stuff. But I migrated to AIM, especially with my new job. Like I literally couldn't stay up all night. I was working like eight to 10 hour shifts, four to five days a week. And then by the time I get home, I'm exhausted. I don't want to go online. So like our work let us use AIM. So I kept in touch with a lot of people that way. I see. I kind of similar experience. It's funny that AIM like kind of became like the de facto way to communicate even inside of companies and stuff. So, Yeah, I was pretty sad when it died. Like we literally all used AIM at my old job until the end. And then we're like, well, now what do you we do? Well, luckily Slack was around, I think, by then. So we just used Slack. Can you tell me about when you lost all of your code? Yeah. Uh, so after I had gotten my job, my girlfriend, she was still my girlfriend at the time, She, we weren't using that computer anymore. She gave it to her uncle. And I'm like, I don't have the foresight to say I need to back up all my code. Like, I didn't think that way. I'm like, 
like I said, I would work on something and then I'd be done with it. And like, if I wanted something backed up, I'd just share it with a friend and then maybe they would share it back with me. Okay. Oh guys, I lost my file. Send it back. They had a copy of it, you know, but I didn't send any of my like raw source code for any of my programs or any of my unfinished stuff to anyone that was sitting on that hard drive. When her uncle got it, he basically just reformatted it right away or put in a new hard drive or something. And then I think he immediately sold it to Goodwill. Like he's like, this thing is slow. I don't, he went and bought a new computer, sold it to Goodwill. So literally my code is out there somewhere, maybe. Wow. That totally sucks. So you left AOL, you started doing HTML and Perl. And after that, what was the next thing you did? The company I had worked at was just local and I kind of worked as a freelancer, even though I literally went into the office, it was two miles well, actually it was a, like a five minute walk from my apartment before I moved into the house. And then it was two miles away. So I just kind of worked from, I, even back then I worked from home. I didn't have to have AOL anymore. Cause they paid for, I think it was Roadrunner back then. So I had actually fast internet, like, holy crap, this is fast. You know, it was a whole new world. Like things are fast. I can watch movie trailers and stuff. Like I don't have to wait for them to download all night. So it essentially just became, you know, well, I don't need AOL anymore because it's slow and I don't have time to go on it. So I'll just stick with this job and kind of keep working my way up. At the time, the company was pretty big and it was owned by one guy and he tried to do like a hostile takeover from the boss and it backfired. So he took like 80% of the employees with him to his new company. So I got left behind, which was good for me because I got a big raise. So I'm like, that was incentive to stay. Like, sweet. I went from this like kid who's programming in my girlfriend's room, you know, on free AOL to suddenly I got good ISP. I can afford an apartment. You know, I got a job. It's like, it was kind of like, holy crap, I'm getting paid to do what I wanted to do before. You know, I have responsibility now, but I'm getting paid for it. Nice. So it seems like AOL helped really kind of set you up for your real world job, right? Yeah. I mean, at the time, like I said, I didn't know this could become a career. It's like, I always loved programming from an early age, you know, thanks to my uncle. Like that's what I wanted to do. It just makes sense to me. I love doing it. I love building stuff, seeing the result, tweaking things, making it better, optimizing, you know, having this code base. At that job, I kind of applied the same principles that I use on AOL. Like, okay, I don't want to keep reinventing the same code again. So we kind of migrated to PHP, which is relatively new at the time. I'm like, I don't want to use some third-party thing. Like WordPress wasn't out at the time, but I'm like, I shied away from third-party stuff because I'm like, I don't know what their code is doing. It'd be like literally taking someone else's program, decompiling it, adding a button, you know, recompiling it and saying, this is my program now because I made one change. Like, no, that to me, that didn't feel like it was my my code or my program. Like, so I would essentially build everything from scratch at that job. And I worked there for about 20 years and I had this awesome PHP code library. We could spin up websites in minutes, just like, you know, moving stuff around the page and giving it colors and a header and boom, you know. So a lot of what we did was just like, what clients can we get? Let's bring them on quick and then let's build a relationship from there. So it was just cool to have that knowledge, like here's how to get things to work and reuse my own code. Know it's going to be stable because I know everything that's going on in that code because I literally built it. So if there's a bug, I take responsibility for it because I, it's my bug. I put it there. That's great. Yeah, not a lot of uh, developers 
gets to like fully build out the entire application. Uh, a lot of times they just inherit sometimes decades of technical debt. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, my current job, that's what I'm at. I'm at uh, five years of a previous programming team in India that they decided to bring an in-house team. So I'm kind of the lead of that. And it's like, well, here's five years of code, figure it out. So I'm like, okay. So over the last two years, I kind of been figuring that out. And so before where you had, you, know, you have nothing better to do than just program all day and stay up all night. Uh, you know, you have the luxury, right? Of being able to just deciding what to rewrite. But now with like deadlines and stuff like that, how do, how do you decide like what to rewrite and what not to rewrite? Well, I think because like that entire history of knowledge, you know, from AOL and from my previous job, I think that's why they hired me. Like, cause it was a pretty green company where, you know, they had those five years, but over the past like year before I started is where they really started pushing and growing. So literally they hired me saying like, what do we need to do? Like, how do we make this good? How do we make it modern? Like, how do we get a high Google rank and a high site speed score? Like, we don't know how to do any of this stuff. You know, and the team that did the website, they didn't want to do that stuff because they were just basically told what to do. And I'm like, well, I have this, again, I have all this knowledge. Like, that's sweet. Your guys are hiring me to apply it. It's almost like helping old friends. You know, like I stayed up all night so that you guys don't have to, that kind of thing. Nice. Can you talk about re-AOL, how you found the community and how Highwind has been um, received there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for years I had highwind.zip, which was my boss file, and it was all ASCII and I didn't know how to convert it. Like I tried every five years or so I get this spark like, okay, I'm going to go online and I'm going to try to figure out how to convert this thing. Like I don't have any Windows machines. I didn't know how to get Visual Basic 3 installed again. Like literally I thought my code was lost forever. And then my friend pinged me one night, like a month ago or so, like someone on this re-AOL decompiled your highwind.boss and converted it to ASCII. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, like, holy crap. Like, I just wanted to see my old code to see like, was it good? Like, what does it look like? I, by that point, I had completely forgotten Visual Basic. Like, I didn't even know what the code looked like or what I had built, what was there. Like, people said this thing was good, was it? <laughs> Like what, I don't even remember what it did. Like how easy could someone take this thing and make a program with it? And it was just so cool just for that nostalgia to like open that file. And there it is like the raw code, like, holy crap. It's like all my variable names were exactly the same. I'm like, I didn't even know you could decompile a thing in a way that would keep all the variable names like stuff and the function names and all that. So it's like, it was literally like, you know, traveling in the past and staring at my computer screen and just seeing all that code right there. Like, holy crap. Like, and from that, like all this nostalgia started hitting, like, okay, it's just all these memories that I had not really locked away, but just kind of forgotten about and didn't think about for years, you know, and getting on the discord channel and talking to people that remember me from back then. And I'm like seeing these names, like, holy crap. I remember I talked to you like for months or years, like we hung out in the same rooms like, holy crap, you're in tech. Like, I just love hearing other people's stories. They're literally still in tech and they have as much nostalgia for AOL as I do. No one in my life even knows what Highwind is. Why do you call yourself Highwind? Like, what is that? You were on AOL, you made programs, what? Like, I don't understand how that works. Oh, you've had friends online? Well, big deal. It's like, well, it was a big deal to me. Like, and it's like, I meet people like you and it's like, holy crap. Like, I'm not the only one that is so nostalgic for this time. Yeah, that is so cool. And it's it's so true, exactly everything you're saying. <laughs> 
some people may not care about that kind of stuff, but uh, when you spend that much time online when you're growing up, it, it definitely means a lot. So that, that's really neat. The the bas files. So I thought the bas files they were just plain text. I thought um, you you don't have to decompile them. So I guess I'm confused. Um, I, what what happened with that? Was it like um, I know if you try to open there's something there's like there's a binary called there's DOS to Unix and then there's another binary called Unix to DOS. Maybe uh, so you just have to run that file to, to convert to, to convert that um, text file. Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about or not. Have you seen that binary before? Yeah, I mean, I saw that online, but there's like a hundred converter sites that say we'll take your BOS file and change it to HTML or text, and it's like literally none of them would work. It would just go from gibberish to gibberish. And if I opened it up in plain text, I could see like remnants of things, but it was all like you know those weird characters, so it didn't really. I couldn't. I couldn't see like a plain text view. Like it was whatever format it was. I just needed something to convert it, and I could never find it over the years. So I kind of had given up. Okay, so I'm, I'm probably wrong then. <laughs> Maybe I say assume it was plain text. So you're saying that if you open it up, there's like a file header to indicate it's a bass file, and then if you were like you open it in a hex editor or something, you wouldn't see raw characters. It was like like the characters yeah. were were encoded. Yeah, uh, some way. So okay. whatever Visual Basic did to like compile or zip that file, it changed the original text to something else, and then it could deconvert it. So yeah. I mean, literally, it was unreadable unless I had whatever program could open it and read it. Okay, that's really cool. But yeah, I had the same experience where I kind of forgotten about like a lot of people from back then, and then looking at some of the code and just seeing kind of the, some of the old like old websites that were dedicated to AOL. Everything kind of came back to me, so it, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, I've been scouring like archive.org will have like old versions of sites, especially like I want to find my early sites like just to see what was on them. Like, what was I posting about that? Like, I'm some dumb kid back then. What was I talking about on my website? Like I used to have blogs and stuff and I don't remember anything I posted. And it's like, I used to have like tripod sites and Hypermartins, you know, XOOM Zoom. And like, none of that exists on the internet anymore. But if you search for highwind.boz, it's like, it's everywhere. It's like, okay. To me, that's like com comforting in a way. Like, okay, at least I left some sort of legacy and like Google still remembers me. Do other people remember me? Definitely. I know. I, I certainly remember you. I definitely used Highwind FS. That was uh, in my arsenal along with like the, the Alpha 32 and DOS and uh, all that. Your stuff definitely worked too. So It's good to hear that because like I released to my friends and obviously you're like, this is cool. This is like saving us time to build programs. And then they'd help me out with their, you know, they'd figure out something and say, there's a bug on this line. Okay, I'd fix it. But I literally never got the feedback from anyone that outside of my little group that used it. Like... I saw it spread like in mass mailers and servers and stuff, but were people using it? You know, I was someone, like I said, who released so many programs. Like I probably released like 200 programs. They were all like simple mini function things. And I think there's only like three or four that actually exist online anymore that I can actually find a zip file for. And then there's references on some old pages to things I built by name, but like I've forgotten so many things I built. Like I don't even remember the names of the things or what they looked like. Interesting. Can you tell me where does the name or the handle Highwind come from? Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of, I remember in about 96. So before I was called Highwind, I went by Mean Streak because I like the uh, X-Men 2099 comic and there was a character named Mean Streak. And I'm like, that's a cool name, Mean Streak. Like, I think my the first Java program I talked about was Java by Mean Streak. 
and it never got released. I re-released it later as Jawa by Highwind. But basically, like if you know in Visual Basic, there's the HWND, and I always pronounce it Highwind. Like I thought it meant highest window. I'm like, okay, it's the topmost window, the highest window. And then around that time, also Final Fantasy VII was just being previewed, and there was a character called Sid Highwind, and I'm like, it just kind of clicked. Like, okay, Highwind, Highwind, that's pretty cool. Like, it'll kind of mean both things, you know. I like, I love Final Fantasy and RPGs, video games, and now I love programming. It just fit. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, is there anything else you want to share about your time back on AOL? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I have a lot of funny stories. Uh, like, I guess I never felt like famous in a way because I'd meet people like Stealth or Toke that I mentioned or Method with his Andy Punter. And to me, like those guys were the cool guys and like they were famous. Like everybody knew who they were. Like they built cool stuff. Uh, like I never met like Magus, but like to me, the people that I hung with were as cool as that guy, you know, like they released one program and like everybody's using it. It's like, holy crap, I need to release like 50 programs before someone even like spoke the name Highwind or said, Hey, he makes good stuff. Like, so, so it was like a bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I definitely have that today too. Like with my current job, I'm like, I feel like I'm at kind of a leader level, but in a way I'm like, I kind of feel like a noob at the same time. Like, you know, I have people that work under me and it's like, do they actually listen to me and respect me? Or are they just thinking, uh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. I definitely have the imposter syndrome. Yeah. So like, uh, I remember I met stealth, it was around the time I was making like little things that would do like automated stuff on AOL, like open a window and type in the text and go through things. Like there was one called quick FTP, which I had a, a members.aol.com website with progs on it. And I like, I'm sick of clicking keyword, entering my thing, my password, my username, clicking go uploading. So I kind of built like a little application that would just do all those steps for me. You just like, where's the file you want to upload, click go. And it would go, you know, you'd watch it do all the steps. You could actually see it doing all the things. Like people like Stealth would get that stuff and they're like, oh, this is a pretty cool probe. It's not just a punter, you know, which I built tons of punters, servers, all that stuff. But he's like, one day he just kind of messaged me out of the blue, like, hey, you make cool programs. Want to work for me? I'm like, what do you mean work for you? He's like, I'm trying to make a screenshot program. Like I want people to take screenshots easily. And like, I remember back then it was so hard. Like you had to literally click print screen and open like MS paint and paste it in there and hit file and hit save and give it a name. And then it would be like a bitmap file. And he's like, I don't like bitmap files. I want JPEG files. Like make me a program called, you know, whatever, put your name on it and I'll release it on my website. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, but to me, stealth was like a legend. Like every program he made was like not AOL specific. It was literally like super useful. Like even today he has a company which does exactly what he did back then, you know, on a bigger scale. So it's like, I built this thing. And again, it's imposter syndrome where I'm like, it works. It does exactly what I wanted, but I don't think it's going to be good enough. Like he's stealth. He makes awesome stuff. Am I good enough to compete with him? Like, so I basically ghosted him, you know, him and I were into like WWE at the time. I remember like stone cold was around. It was around that time. Like Vince McMahon had, uh, fired Stone Cold on the pay-per-view and he showed up the next day and held like Stone Cold held Vince McMahon hostage and then like had a gun in the ring and he shot him and it said bang 316. I don't know if you remember that bang 316. I remember like for some reason I have like a memory of that. That's the day I literally stopped talking to stealth because I finished this program 
it would just kind of run in your dock and it, it watched for like key keyboard commands. I don't remember what the command was. And then it would take a picture of your screenshot and save it as JPEG and put it on your desktop. Like it did exactly what he wanted, but I'm like, it doesn't have an interface. He's going to hate it. Like it's an icon in the dock and that's all it does. So like, yeah, there's a bit of things like that. Like I just ghosted a guy who has literally this awesome company and he's still going and like, did I miss an opportunity there to work for him? Like, I think I did. Wow. Have you talked with him since? No, I don't. I mean, I could contact him, but I'm like, he probably won't even remember me. I mean, in my mind, you got to contact him. (laughs) I will, I guess I'll send him an email saying, Hey, remember that time you asked me to do this thing? And I totally like screwed you on it. (laughs) Sorry about that. You're going to need a better story than that, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to work for a guy like that. Like I'm just, just happy to see like him in tech. Cause I mean, I basically worshiped him back then and suddenly he's paying attention to me like, Holy crap. And then I mentioned Toke, like, this is kind of the thing where I feel famous maybe, but then a person like Tote comes in who released like one program, a room buster. And he comes in all like with an ego, like, ha ha ha. Oh, Highwind, That's the guy who makes a new punter every week. Like what do you, which punter are you working on now? Highwind? And then he'd type like, this guy just works on punters. You know, he kind of like took me down a peg. He did that thing where he talks as if I'm not in the room, like listening, which I don't like, you know, if people tell him now talk about you as if you're not in the room, like you're not sitting right there. I can hear what you're saying about me. So it's just weird to have like, you know, those people who I looked at like legends and they'll come in and they kind of, one guy's like, yeah, you're awesome. I want to work with you. And one guy like, ha ha, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> so it was just like, am I famous? Am I not famous? Like I never knew, you know, at what level I was back then. It sounds like maybe there, it's like a, hierarchical thing going on there right where people yeah. are trying to like i mean there's definitely some people who were like we try to put the people down and stuff yeah and that's like we're generally going to collaborate and it's kind of you know what you find in the real world too right yeah uh so that's that's interesting yeah there was a guy named locust uh he released like a program called legion a legion and it was a cool program and I liked it and I used it. And then one day I met him and he's like, oh, Highwind, you are just that guy that decompiles pizzas programs and uses pizza.bass. And I'm like, I don't know which a pizza. I'm like, there's a pizza.bass. He's like, yeah, I decompiled your programs and it's all pizzas code. And then he was really good. Like people warned me, like, you don't want to make that guy mad. He can term your account. Like he'll kick you offline. And no, no problem. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't even know this guy. Why is he angry at me? Like, whatever, dude. And then it was literally like a day later, my it's tried to sign on to my fish and it was dead. And they're like, Oh, locust got you. He's bragging about it. Like, wow. Like, holy crap. Like, who is this guy? Like, yeah, it's kind of that thing. Like that's kind of a way I, maybe I felt famous in a way or well-known. It's like, I've heard somebody say in the past, like if something is popular, it will be hated. It's like that stuck with me. Like, okay, this guy just hates me just for being a name that's, you know, known. Like he knows nothing about me. He's never, I never met him before. I never talked to him. He just made the snap judgment and he instantly decided, I hate this guy. Yeah, that's so true. So true. If you even, if you look at the credits of Lucifer X, uh, it was a, a popular program. He like is in the credits or whatever. He's like totally hating on Dechronic and stuff for like no reason at all. Um, other than he's just jealous, you know, but um, yeah, that's important. So did you do anything to get back at Locust or? No, I wasn't vengeful. I mean, like I said, I had a hundred fish, so it didn't matter. Uh, so th- that leads to a funny story. Like uh, around that time, I had changed my handle to Orbit as an experiment to see, like, again, like is Highwind the name that's famous, or is it the programs that I make? Like, if I change my name and release stuff that's just as good but looks different, 
Like, will people think it's just as good? But it literally backfired. Like, because my friends knew immediately, like, Orbit, you're high wind. <laughs> like, holy crap. Like, that experiment failed. I remember hearing, like, about Stephen King, how when he was younger, he created the pseudonym Richard Bachman. And he, he was making too many books at the time. And his peers thought, you're doing too much and it's harming us because we can't put out as many books as you. So he created the second handle, basically, saying, okay, I'm going to release books under two different names. But people knew about, like, just based on his style, they immediately knew, no, there's no Richard Bachman. That's Stephen King. Oh, that's so, really funny. Like, so it was weird. Like, doing the Orbit thing, I thought, can I get away with that, a second handle? But, like, just like Stephen King, people saw right through it. It was funny. How long were you Orbit? Uh, probably a few months. I remember I built, like, a server and mass mailer. And what was good about those was, and I wish I really released this code, is because I literally had another Boz file that had a single function in, in it called like start server. So you could create a program, put a button, and just call the function start server, and it would do like everything itself. Like it would watch the chat, build the list, send out the emails, go back online if you got logged out, do the idle stuff, like leave the room if Catwatch came in. Like it would do everything it needed to do so you could like set it and forget it. So like, I really wish that's another reason why I wish I had my old code. Cause like the stuff I did as orbit, I really like almost put more care into it because I wanted it to look like really good. Like Highwind isn't even this good. This orbit guy's even better. <sighs> like I wanted to try to fool people like, no, Highwind's a joke, but this orbit guy, he's awesome. Like, Oh, he's the new Highwind. <laughs> that's really funny. That's interesting. Did you get into, I mean, you were doing decompiling. Did you ever do anything to prevent people from decompiling your programs or anything like that? Or hex editing. Yeah, I just used the uh, the pizza pizza's decompiler. That's literally all I used. And then uh, I have a friend, uh, Adam. He went by Cheesox. He uh, would take all my programs since Cheesox is the same amount of letters as Highwind. He would hex edit all my programs and put his name in there. And one of them got really popular. It was a merge server by Cheesox. He literally changed my name in every spot in the code and released it, and it got popular and people were using it. And I'm like, holy crap! You're awesome. You, we joke about it to this day. Like, you know, remember Emerge Server by Cheesex? That was a good probe. That's really funny. Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about from the AOL days? So I think like around the time I was kind of going off AOL, kind of, you know, moving on, there was a point in like, I think it was Private Moon Mirage where the guys kind of took a turn to be more devious and like evil to people. I remember there was like a phase where people were creating just like Deltree apps. There was that program on, you know, on Windows called Deltree and you could run it and it, without any prompt, it would literally like delete a bunch of files on your computer. Like you could delete the entire high drive with one command. And these guys are like, oh, let's make a program where it, as soon as someone opens it, it brings them to this chat room and scrolls as it's deleting everything in their hard drive. And like, there was one day where suddenly like all these people started coming in and there was all this scrolling going on. And it was like, Holy crap. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't feel like comfortable seeing that. And like, that's kind of around the time I started to like be put off by AOL, like stuff like that was going on. People were being more devious. They weren't trying to help each other code and stuff. They were creating, they were messing with people more again, like back in the AOL days. Like suddenly they're harming people's computers and deleting their files. And like, that sucks because again, like I've, I had lost programs at that point. Like I accidentally saved over a folder and lost all my code. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like now I got to rebuild everything from scratch. So I remember I was at my friend Keith's house again on his computer. 
and I opened up, uh, I think it was like Fadex 5.0, and I'm like, holy crap, May just released 5.0 Fadex. So I opened it up, and it pops up full screen, and it says, Sporks Deltry, you've been pwned. And it's like green spinning text and all this stuff. I'm like, holy crap, control alt delete, delete, delete. You know, I'm slamming on the keyboard to delete the computer. And it starts up, and of course, it says, like, you know, Windows cannot start due to this missing file. I'm like, ah. So his mom, like, literally tore into me. Like, you are not allowed to use that computer anymore. You should have to pay for it. And I'm like, ah, I'm sorry. So I think Keith, out of his own money, brought it to a computer shop, and they tried to salvage stuff off the hard drive, and he had to, like, you know, reinstall the stuff. And I think that was the last time I ever went to his house because I just kind of felt shame. Like, holy crap, I fell for this trick that I knew about. Like, I'd seen them doing it, and I literally fell for it. You know, I can look back and laugh now, like, you know, I should have known better. But, you know, th these were guys like Spork. I knew who he was. Like, literally, I told him, you know, your Deltry got me. Ha, ha, ha. You know, he just thought it was funny. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't funny. Like, my friend's mom hates me now. <laughs> but he still thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, they were all about, like, you know, it went from this awesome room, like, everybody sharing code and, like, coming up with these cool ideas. And all the scrolling was, like, you know, someone opens their app and it scrolls, like, you know, whatever new anti-punter by method. And I'm like, oh, share that with me. Let's check it out. You know, to like, well, let's cause chaos now. And let's send them all to this room was kind of our haven. And you know, the room fell apart after that. Yeah, I can see that making the room fall apart. Yeah. Did, did somebody create like a adultery like detector? I could have sworn I saw that in some programs at some point. Yeah, that was a thing that like Stealth did again. Like he upgraded, he had like password stealer detectors and, you know, virus detectors and, like that that's again why I thought he was cool. Like he was kind of doing the opposite. He was making sure we were safe and he was protecting people while the rest of us were kind of like causing the chaos. Interesting. Do you know how that code worked? I think he literally he just looked for like certain, you know, if he hex edited it or decompiled it on the fly, and then he would look for those strings, you know. Basically, if it was a password stealer, it would have a certain strings in it that suggested it was, you know, and then he'd give kind of a level of, you know, this is definitely a password stealer. This might be be careful or, you know, make sure you back up your hard drive before you run this, you know, that kind of thing. It was kind of an early warning system. It wasn't foolproof. I mean, it would literally detect things that weren't password stealers as a password stealer. Nice. Antivirus does that anyway. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a time I... Had well, my tripod site got hacked once by this guy named Scope. I guess he was this kid. He wanted to do a program with me, and I said, "Oh, sure." But then I kind of forgot about it, and like he held a grudge against me. So he like I don't know. He hacked my tripod site somehow and took it down and put up his site. So literally, like members at tripod.com/slash/highwind was his website. You know, I got a laugh about it. I'm like, eh, whatever. No one goes to my website anyway. Like my programs are out there. If someone wants my programs, just ask. You know, ask me. That's funny. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to come on today. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're doing. And again, it's like, it's so cool to see everybody from back then still doing what we did back then, but getting paid for it. And like, you know, I feel like in a way we were kind of at the forefront, like the pioneers back then doing all these things, which we thought were just fun. And now suddenly we got careers out of them and the industry kind of took what we did back then and, you know, learned from it. As far as like phishing, hacking, cracking, all that stuff still exists, but people are aware of it, I think, because we were doing that stuff back then, you know? Yeah, definitely. We were hacking and cracking and getting people's passwords, and suddenly today, it's like everything we did back then mattered to me, so that's kind of cool. 
Like, I don't feel like today I was someone that was just sitting on the computer wasting time. You know, my parents might look at me like, oh, he was on the computer all the time wasting time. But I'm like, you know, I learned, I evolved that into career, which didn't exist at the time. And, you know, I'm having a wonderful time. That's great, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, no problem. Welcome to cyberspace.